MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. Today, George Santos steps down from his committee assignments and says it was all his idea, which means it totally wasn't. The Senate Judiciary is going to look into the blockbuster Durham reporting from the New York Times last week. The Arizona Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, has made a criminal referral on Carrie Lake to the new state attorney general. Tish James informs the court she intends to file sanctions against Donald Trump for lying in court pleadings. Solomon Pena is hit with a 14-count indictment for hiring hitmen to fire on Democratic opponents. The FBI searched Joe Biden's Penn Center last November for classified documents. And Donald Trump pled the fifth nearly 450 times in a newly obtained video from CBS. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Well, I said it was going to be a heavy news day, and it was a heavy news day. Big news day. There's so much. Even before we hit the hot notes, there's a shit ton of news. Yeah, I got a couple of little, I guess, cold notes, mini notes. I don't know. Whatever. Not hot notes yet. Uh, (laughs) They're they're lukewarm. (laughs) These are the lukewarm notes for the beans. Tepid notes. First, you can watch Donald plead the fifth nearly 450 times in a video of his deposition for New York Attorney General Tish James's lawsuit. And this video was obtained by CBS in a FOIA request. And uh, because this is in a civil suit, Dana, pleading the fifth, you can draw, prosecutors can draw a negative inference from your pleading. They can make you look like an asshole by using pleading the fifth. You can't do that in a criminal case. And I tweeted out to the Senate Judiciary Committee that they needed to investigate the new Durham reporting And the chair of that committee has said that he intends to do just that. I hope they subpoena Durham and Barr and ask Merrick Garland why he hasn't been fired for cause. What the frick? I would I I look forward to those hearings. Um, They'll probably just run on C-SPAN so we can we can C-SPAN and chill. It'll be great. And uh, Solomon Pena, a Republican in New Mexico who lost like 76 to 23 or something. He hired people to shoot at the homes of his Democratic opponents and election officials. Well, he's been hit with a 14 count indictment. Good. He's currently in pretrial detention, which is good. Did you know, Dana, he previously served a seven year stretch for a smash and grab operation in your home state? No, sure didn't. But that makes him a good GOP candidate, apparently, now to the new requirements (laughs) and to get into Congress. Yeah, because that's what they do during elections. They smash and grab. We'll keep an eye on that story for you. We do have a lot more to get to, though. Those were just the tepid notes. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Uh, Republican Carrie Lake, who's already been hit with Rule 11 sanction, isn't still in a lot of hot water, but she may soon be under criminal investigation for posting photos of voter signatures to Twitter. Democratic Secretary of State and friend of the pod, Adrian Fontes, he was recently on our show. He referred Carrie Lake to the Democratic Attorney General, Chris Mays. Who beat Hamaday, remember? Oh, I By do. Like nine votes or something. Referred uh, Carrie Lake to this new AG over posting a graphic asking, do you think these ballot signatures match with several photos of actual voter signatures? Fontes asked for further investigation and possible prosecution for what he claims is a violation of Arizona State Statute 16-168, Section F, which says you can't post photos of <laughs> signatures. You can't put them anywhere publicly. Quote, the protections afforded by this subsection prohibit posting any information derived from voter registration forms or precinct registers to the internet 
and under no circumstances may a person other than the voter or a statutorily authorized person reproduce a voter's signature. That's what the fucking law says. It's pretty straightforward. (laughs) A violation of this provision is a class six felony, he says. Now, class six felony is the lowest level in Arizona. They typically carry short prison sentences if they're convicted, if it is not negotiated down to a misdemeanor. And that's according to Gaxiola and Litwack Law Group. It's now up to Mays to decide whether or not Lake should face an investigation. But the former gubernatorial candidate's attorney says that she did nothing wrong by sharing the signatures. This is becoming all too common in politics. Another attempt to weaponize the justice system with a phony allegation against a Republican. That's Tim Lasota. Adrian Fontes selectively quotes the statute in an attempt to distort the law and smear Carrie Lake in the process. Chris Mays should immediately say that she will have no part in this shameful, disgusting effort. Mm-hmm. Quote, this information came from the Arizona Senate investigation on acceptance of clearly mismatched signatures on early ballots, and Carrie Lake has an absolute right under the First Amendment to republish the information presented to the Senate. That's what Lasota said. The Republican lost the November general election to Democratic Governor Katie Hobbs. I'm going to say that again, Democratic Governor Katie Hobbs, and later contested the election in court as two of 10 counts made it to trial. The civil court case ultimately confirmed Hobbs's win, but Lake's team appealed the December ruling. And continues to appeal it over and over and over. Hmm. All right. Well, the FBI searched the offices of the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement in mid-November after classified documents were discovered there. This is from two senior law enforcement officials. They confirmed this to NBC News on Tuesday. The official said President Biden's lawyers cooperated with the search and no search warrants were used. NBC News does not know the exact date of the search or whether classified documents or anything else of importance were found. The FBI search was first reported by CBS, their news station. Biden's lawyers had originally found some classified documents at the Penn Biden Center in an office used by the president on November 2nd. Biden's lawyers said they immediately notified the Department of Justice and the National Archives about what was discovered. While neither the White House nor Biden's personal lawyers had previously divulged information about the FBI search in November. The FBI also searched Biden's residence in Willington, Delaware, earlier this month after the president's lawyers offered to provide access to his home. As a result of that search, six additional items, including documents with classified markings, were found in Biden's Delaware home. This is from Bob Bauer, the president's personal attorney. The documents at Wilmington home appeared to be related to Biden's time as vice president, Bauer said, as well as to his tenure in Senate. And they were found after Biden's counsel offered full access to the premises. In early January, White House lawyer revealed the discovery of Quote, a small number of documents with classified markings at the Penn Biden Center in November, just a few days before the midterm election. They had been found in a locked closet by Biden's attorneys as they prepared to vacate that office space at the Penn Biden Center. Well, meanwhile, the former guy has been under investigation, as we know, over his possession of classified documents at (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. And last summer, the FBI agents executed a legally executed search warrant at the Florida resort. Now, the search uncovered, as we know, more than 100 documents with classified markings, including some marked top secret. In December, it was reported that two more documents with classified markings were found in a Florida storage facility, not far from Chump's Palm Beach Resort, and those were turned over to the FBI. Well, after the reports that classified documents had been in Biden's possession, the former vice president, Mike Pence, as we know, asked outside counsel earlier this month to look for records bearing classified markings at his home in Indiana. 
And they found some. Pence's lawyer said there's a small number were found at the residence. And so everyone's like, hey, maybe you guys should just take a look over here so I don't get in trouble later. Yeah. And as we know, the National Archives has sent a letter to all living former VPs and presidents, except for Jimmy Carter, to look through their stuff. And the reason they didn't send it to Jimmy Carter is because the Presidential Records Act hadn't been written yet when Carter was president. So he's not no, really subjected to that. Yeah. All right. New York Attorney General Letitia James plans to seek court sanctions against the former guy and his crotch fruit in her civil fraud lawsuit. That's what her office told the state judge on Tuesday. This is Judge Engeron, right? James's office said formal answers in pleadings to her $250 million lawsuit filed that these pleadings that were filed by Trump in response to her civil suit and his three oldest children and the family's businesses last week were deficient in a host of ways and merit sanctions for them and their attorneys. Quote, defendants falsely deny facts they have admitted in other proceedings. They deny knowledge. (laughs) They deny knowledge sufficient to respond to factual allegations that are plainly within their knowledge. And they propound affirmative defenses that have been repeatedly rejected by this court as frivolous and without merit. That's Kevin Wallace, senior enforcement counsel in James's office. Wallace asked New York Judge Engeron for a meeting as soon as possible to set briefing schedules for a sanctions motion. James filed the lawsuit in September, as we know, alleging that the former guy and his business for years manipulated property values for investment and loan benefits, the culmination of her multi-year investigation. She named the former guy and Donald Trump Jr. and Ivanka and Eric and a number of the family's business entities as defendants and asked for $250 million in financial penalties. Engeron earlier this month denied the Trump's motion to dismiss the lawsuit, requiring them to formally answer the complaint so the proceedings could move forward. The Trumps filed that answer Thursday, largely denying all of James's allegations. And in this Tuesday letter, Wallace contended they included false denials and ones that didn't actually respond to the allegations. Shocking. That's improper (laughs) under New York law. Wallace in particular pushed back on how the Trumps repeatedly answered many allegations by taking issue with how James attributed them to the Trump organization. The Trump said no such legal entity exists. So James failed to properly specify who committed the conduct. Quote, it does not directly respond to the allegations in the verified complaint and instead operates as a deflection that the defendants use to avoid answering direct factual allegations. The lawsuit is scheduled to head to trial this October, and The Hill has reached out to attorneys for the former president, his three children named in the suit, and their businesses for comment, none yet. A federal judge in Florida sanctioned the former president and his legal team for almost a million dollars earlier this month for his case against Hillary Clinton et al., He issued a scathing opinion that described the lawsuit as frivolous and vexatious and part of a continuing pattern of misuse of the courts. And in the days following, Trump dropped two lawsuits that he filed against Tish James. One sought to stop her civil investigation that ultimately sparked the fraud case, and the other looked to block her access to his personal trust as part of her case. Okay, thank you so much. And back to our dear friend, George Santos, if that is your it's real George name, Santos sir. George Santos time. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, he is stepping down temporarily from his committee assignments amid multiple right. investigations uh-huh, into his campaign finances after he lied about key aspects of his biography. And by key aspects, it was all of his biography except other than the fact that he's gay. And I don't need that to be confirmed. Santos, who has admitted to fabricating details about his education, work, religion, heritage since his election in November, told House Republicans in a closed meeting Tuesday that he would remove himself from his assignments on the House Small Business Committee and the Science, Space and Technology Committee. 
The temporary retreat from committees marks Santos's first major concession after weeks of maintaining a steadfast resistance to any consequences over his fabrications, otherwise known as lies. Santos told colleagues he will step down because he's a distraction, according to a Republican lawmaker who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss the private meeting. Well, the conversation comes one day after Santos met with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. So Kevin was like, you need to step down, motherfucker. Yeah, who probably told him he's a, <laughs> you're a distraction. <laughs> yeah. Now, in that meeting, Santos and McCarthy discussed various scenarios. According to people familiar with the conversation, Santos asked if his committee spots would be held in reserve until the conclusion of an investigation by the bipartisan House Ethics Committee, the people said. And McCarthy expressed support for that idea, telling the New York congressman that he appreciated it. Well, later Tuesday, Santos sent a letter to the speaker that codified what they had discussed. In the letter, Santos thanked McCarthy for the committee assignments, but asked that he be able to temporarily step back from them to focus on his constituents and also to spend more time with his family that he adopted from Uganda (laughs) that no one's ever met. The announcement comes the same day polling in his district showed the vast majority of voters think Santos should resign. The vast majority in his district. And let me remind you, this district is not that far outside of Manhattan. So the fact that this even fucking happened is insane. Yeah. And and look, here's what happened. McCarthy got that polling. McCarthy called him in and said, you're a distraction. Step away from your committee assignments. And he said, "Okay, but can I say it was my idea? And he's like, fine. And then he told everybody it was his idea. Yes, (laughs) of course. I'm just hoping this guy goes down eventually. Now, more than three quarters of the registered voters in New York's third congressional district said he should leave the job. And the Newsday Siena College poll found that. Now, emerging from the meeting, Santos declined to comment, saying, I think you should talk to leadership if you want details pertaining to committees. (laughs) Later, when asked whether McCarthy urged him to step down, Santos answered that it was his decision. Again, give me a break. Now, this is a quote. Nobody tells me to do anything, he said. I made a decision on my own that I thought best represented the interest of the voters. In a statement, Santos thanked McCarthy for discussing the decision and allowed me to take time to properly clear my name before returning to my committees. Well, the move by Santos comes as McCarthy is struggling to secure the GOP votes to get Rep. Elon Omar off the Foreign Affairs Committee. Now, the speaker is determined to fulfill a years-long pledge after Democrats ousted two Republicans, and that was Marjorie Taylor Greene and Gosar from Arizona, from their committees for backing political violence against Democrats on social media, which was the right move. But of course, they're taking retribution. McCarthy has faced opposition from Republican reps like Ken Buck from Colorado and Nancy Mace from South Carolina. Those Republicans have a slim majority that allows them to lose only four votes to pass anything. That margin is down to three as Rep. Greg Stube from Florida recovers at home after a traumatic fall. Now, late Tuesday, Rep. Victoria Sparks from Indiana abandoned her opposition to ousting Omar after McCarthy made changes to the resolution. Mm. So without Sparts and Stubby, which is a funny sentence, <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be able to kick Ilan Omar off of her committee. So, and that's good. Now, I call them Stube, so it's Greg Stubby. Stubby, yeah. Stubby. And, and then, of course, Ken, Ken Buck. I'll, I'll never forget Ken, but the thing that the thing I remember most about Ken Buck is during the Mueller hearings when he was like, so uh, what, can you, what, can you indict a president after he leaves office? And Mueller's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute, are you saying that you can indict a president after he leaves office? Yes. (laughs) Ken Buck was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ken. All right. That is the hot notes. And uh, or those are the hot notes. Excuse me. Plural. Hello. Meet plural. Them are the the hot notes. Them's are. 
We have uh, some good news to get to right after this break. Let's take a break. We'll see you in a minute. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news. Good and news. if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt, dude, we're killing it on What the Mutt. We got five out of seven. I know. I'm feeling good. So send them in. If you want to give a shout out to somebody you love, your own personal leguminati hero, or a small business in your area, adoptable pet in your area, you want to tell us any whoopee stories or blanky or binky stories, anything, letters to Santa, shit kids say, shit you say, shit your parents say, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. First up. Oh, I sounded like Ira Glass right there. Just dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. You have to you know, go up at the end of every sentence. <laughs> First up from anonymous, no pronouns given. Hello, Beans Queens. This is a confession to hopefully make Dana feel better about the challenging location names. Thank you. I strongly, I strongly dislike Wednesday because it means back-to-back Zoom calls for me. We have all been there. So it was 4 p.m., Logging on to another call and normally Zoom automatically mutes me and has my camera off. Yep, not on this call. So in front of 75 people, I said, oh, I got to pee. <laughs> there was a beat of silence. Then my SVP confirming it wasn't on mute by saying, well, go pee. Everyone started laughing. I absolutely said I was and was not rejoining the call. <laughs> ah, a bit embarrassed, but honestly, I have not laughed this hard in ages. Pet tax. I'm sharing a pic of my former forever foster buddy I lost last November. His owner sadly got COVID and passed. The rescue I volunteer with took in both him and his sister. She was easily adoptable, but sweet buddy was basically an angry old man in a doggy body, and it finally gave out. I'm happy I was able to give him a safe place to land in his final days. It's hard to share, but he was the first of six that I have fostered due to COVID deaths. Just an ask of everyone, please make a care plan for your pets. If you adopted from a rescue, they will take them back if you pass. Oh, oh look at this sweet little multi poo poo something shits, shits poo. Oh, adorable. Oh, thank you for doing that. I love people. I, I, I love everyone who, who adopts pets, but especially the senior pets. Like I've got a good friend who, who he really only adopts senior chihuahuas. Yeah. So they, they can have a great like last couple of years of their life and it always devastates him when they pass but he keeps doing it yeah he's you know he really wants to give him a good home i have a friend that does the same it's incredibly sweet all right this is from ann pronounced she and her good news queens of the beans that i'm going to say over because that's not what she wrote can i get an edit (laughs) (laughs) no okay or don't i don't know we'll leave this one in All right, next up, this is from (laughs) Anne, pronouns she and her. Good news, beans queens. My foster gigantico cat, Jack, yumber, has been adopted. His new minion, a very nice fellow named Adam, arrived shortly after I wrote to you about him. So while I don't think Adam could have heard about Jack on the beans, I believe your good juju sent him our way. Thanks, queens of the Leguminati. Awesome. That was wonderful. Awesome. You want to take the next one, too? Sure. This is from Anonymous, pronounced he and him. Hi, ladies. After Dana's heartfelt discussion about the legislative abuse heaped on transgender folks, and after discouraging Twitter discussions I've had, I just want to point out that there are churches that are supportive of transgender people. The Episcopal Church USA has at least one ordained trans priest that I know of, and a nearby Episcopal Church here in Dallas-Fort Worth area has a monthly transgender learning conference call co-hosted by the wife of the church's rector, 
or head priests. I know of a metropolitan community church, Lutheran and Methodist churches, who are solidly in support of trans rights. As a proud and loving father of a trans man, I am so thankful my church goes the extra mile for these folks who are in so much uncertainty and even danger. Anonymous, thank you for this, because I, I think people... One of the talking points from the right is that, you know, God this and God that, and the Bible about this and the Bible of that and the gays and all of this stuff. First of all, the Bible doesn't mention transgender people anywhere in the Bible. So to use that as a a talking point is absurd on the other side. Mm -hmm. But I think they also forget that there's many, many, many LGBTQ people that are children of God and they believe in God and they go to these churches. And so it is wonderful that there are several now um, some non-denominational and some denominational churches that are very accepting of LGBTQ people. So if you are listening to this and you don't feel like there's a home out there, even though you may believe in God or a higher power, I, t- I promise you there is. You just have to just have to look for it. But it's there. And so Anonymous, thank you very much for the submission, especially in mm-hmm. Dallas, Fort Worth. That's huge. Yeah, 100 percent. Thank you for that. These photos are beautiful, by the way. I know we didn't say anything about the photos, but it seems to be deer mm-hmm. and sunsets. Mm-hmm. Or... They're lovely. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. Coyotes. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. Deer. No, those are deer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, Wait, yep, is yep. it a doe? A deer? A female deer? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what that is. Okay. Next up, <laughs> from anonymous <laughs> pronouns they and them, hail the Leguminati. No big news to share, just that my feline gentlemen, Mary and Pippin, are licensed and turn six months old on the 25th. The real reason to write yet again is to see the Akita submitted by another listener and raise two tuxies. (laughs) I've attached a couple of shots of both of them in my dishwasher. They also get into the dryer, my washer, and my fridge. I get why the dryer is attractive since it's warm in there, but the other appliances have me stumped. As I told someone the other day, having cats is like having furry toddlers. Every time they gravely knock a pill bottle on the floor as if they've just discovered gravity, I am more convinced. Thanks for all you do. Look at these tuxy babies. Oh my God, how cute. <laughs> the one on the left is the so proud. The toe beans up there, I know. Uh, awesome. I'll, I'll grab the next one too. All right. Tim, he and him from Florida, D-U-H. Hi, AG and DG in the spirit of animal orgies. Sorry, AG, no frogs. I wanted to share this picture of manatees mating Oh, is what uh, is kind of an orgy. We counted at least 23 males and one female, and it went on for several hours right at our boat dock in the Indian River located on Merritt Island, Florida. It was amazing, but somewhat frightening experience. <laughs> um, by these photos, I just need to tell the listeners, if I never see a manatee penis again, it will be too soon. That is a lot. And I mean a lot. That is, that is a, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> wow. 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 Oh, all right. You, you, you got, I mean, the, 23 uh, males and one female. I feel like there was a lot of John wrong hole, John, John, yeah. that's not the right hole, John, John, that's me. Okay. Reminds me of the, reminds me of the Navy. Okay. Okay. Uh, go, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you very much. This next last submission is from Yashu, pronouns he and him. <sighs> okay. Oh. Hello, ladies of the sacred beans. I have a great bit of news to share. Earlier this week, I was having a chat with my 17-year-old son about his day. How are midterms going? How's life? Etc. When he came across the subject of his orchestra competition, it's the one thing on his school orchestra schedule that's always TBD because of, well, venue scheduling. And the fact the past few years got nixed due to COVID. I asked him what's the deal with it. And he goes, oh, 
We just found out this morning. It's someplace in the city, New York. Oh, uh, do you happen to know which one? There's quite a few places you could be playing at. Uh, I think they said Carnegie Hall. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, he said this as casually as if they were going to be playing at a local bowling alley. And apparently, teenagers don't know the historic significance of major concert venues. Needless to say, I couldn't be more proud of the kid. He also made me realize that even though I work at a major concert hall in New Jersey, I've never actually been to Carnegie Hall myself. The theater nerd in me is excited to see how it looks backstage. And ironically, as much as my workload has increased, it's the rare Saturday I have off. I'm going to aim to keep it that way. Now for tax, I'm including some Halloween photos. My youngest dressed as Captain Underpants, my eldest as old-timey news reporter, my lovely wife dressed as the Lady Tremaine, uh, who's the stepmother from Cinderella, as everyone should know, and me as Adam slash Beetlejuice. Don't laugh too hard at the makeup. There's a reason I'm a stage electrician and not in hair and makeup. Thank you again for the amount of work you all do and keep up the stellar work. You're a handsome fella. Yeah, keep that Saturday open, man. You get to see your kid at Carnegie be like... I know. Yeah, no, I'm not working that day. Ah, look at the black and white checkered shirt. But also, yeah, shoot, good looking dude. Oh, look at the makeup in the next one. I feel like you saw that shirt and went, yeah, I have to be Beetlejuice. That's excellent Oh, well, the next picture, yep. Yeah. And Lady Tremaine. Yeah. That the pink and purple with the turtleneck, the lighter pink turtleneck underneath. That's exactly it. Oh my God. Your kid is so cute too. Oh yeah. Captain Underpants. Definitely. Now I thought you meant Alan Dershowitz, but actually Captain Underpants. I got it. Oh my God. Absolutely adorable. Nice hat too. Love the submission and enjoy the concert. That is awesome. Nice job, kiddo. Carnegie Hall. Well done. Well done. Eh, some place called Carnegie Hall. I don't know. Some little joint. Yeah. Mm, whatevs. Some, some deli named after it. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Something about time triangle. Times Square. It's Times Square. Mm, yeah. Practice something. How do you get? I don't know. Uh, All right. Yeah. Anyway, wonderful, wonderful good news submissions. Please send us your stuff at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana, do you have any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here on this Wednesday? I do not. Just enjoy your hump day. And hey, no matter how you want to interpret that, I hope it's a good one. Yeah, just uh, manatees aside. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Manatees. <sighs> we'll be back tomorrow. I mean, listen, I've also seen like a whale penis in a picture and I'm like, good Lord. I thought that was an arm. I'm going to be honest. I know you did, which is hysterical that you of all people can't tell the difference between that. <laughs> That's not a flipper. And a, and a cock flip. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, not into manatees, so I don't no, know. I don't know either. what I'm looking at. Are you into lady teeth? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. I think we should probably... <laughs> I think we should close the pod. <laughs> I think we should close the podcast. <laughs> You're going to drop a lady tease joke on me. <laughs> I'm having to lady tease. Oh, see? And the police are coming for me. After that joke, someone called the police and they were like, oh, okay, go pick her up. Okay. <laughs> I'm not into manatees. Me either. <laughs> Why why didn't I think of that earlier? Oh my oh, god. Man. Oh, all right. We'll be <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. 
uh, the news should uh, start to get pretty interesting from here on out. So uh, we'll see you then. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. <laughs> I've been AG. And I've been very funny. I've been DG. <laughs> and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>